The best time was always afterwards, alone in the ladies' restroom on the first floor. It had high-frosted glass windows that at this hour, before the frail winter sun had found its way between the buildings of the city, shed a dim grainy light like old footage in a documentary film. How long since this room had been modernised? There was a quick-lime incinerator for tampons and a yellowed notice about a woman's refuge, Contact Terry, which might have been there since the 70s. It was the sort of place she was always trying to describe in the ongoing letter in her head. But who was this letter to? Who wants to read about the toilets at your place of work? The rotating chrome soap dispensers, the mint green hand basins on their pedestals, the big wire basket for paper towels, the sense of living in another generation's film. Her father, of course, would be hanging out for this sort of news, but she wasn't going to ponder to his romanticism. And Jason Kay, if a letter ever reached him, would read anything from her with painstaking attention. But she didn't want to think about Jason. In fact, she hadn't sent a single letter home since she'd come to Melbourne, though she'd started several on the office computers in the afternoons. She had this room to herself. The other women in the building, the beauticians from Beauty by Mimi on the ground floor, didn't start work till nine. It was pristine, like a beach first thing in the morning. She didn't switch on the fluoro, but stayed in the grey light. All the contents of the little bag she kept in her desk were laid out on the broad sill of the hand basin. She washed and dried herself with paper towels, fixed her hair, put on deodorant and mascara. The antique plumbing hummed as she ran the taps. She felt safe here, performing these classical female rituals. Every morning at this mirror, she thought for a moment of her mother and the compulsive little pout she made when she looked at herself, like an old-fashioned model. When do you stop being haunted by your parents? The face that looked back at her was not a face they had ever seen. The eyes darkened and reckless, the skin luminous. It made her shy. She turned away and then could not resist another peek. She knew this transformation wouldn't last for long. It was time to go back upstairs. She liked the washed lightness of her body as she moved to the door. She liked the silver flecks in the faded terrazzo floor. But then, of course, she liked everything. Everything seemed to have significance for a short while afterwards. Global Imports occupied the whole top floor of the narrow old building, above Jonathan Fung Barristers. Its corridor ended in a door out to the rusty metal landing of the fire escape, where on a fine day, amongst the roar of the aircon vents, you could sit and eat your lunch and look out over the roofs along the back laneway. Someone had once slung a little washing line out there and tried to grow basil in a pot. It was like being in Naples or New York. The office consisted of one large bare-walled room, high-ceilinged like all the rooms in this building, with two tall front windows facing the street. 
A head-high partition of varnished ply and frosted glass made a waiting space by the door. Here there were two cane armchairs and a low glass table on which sat a Cinzano ashtray. Some of the clients came from countries where it was still okay to smoke at business deals, and a neat pile of magazines. Time, Fortune, BRW. It was part of her duties to keep these up to date and to water the rubber plant in its bamboo stand. As soon as she opened the door, she knew he wasn't there. She could sense his absence, even before she saw that his black coat had gone from beside her sheepskin jacket on the hooks behind the door. Inside the office, the answering machine's red light was flickering on his desk.